Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. What's going on, everyone? Hope y'all had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 82 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Brandy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from California as Sofia Savarella takes home the weekly honors. Sofia hit 688 with three doubles, a triple, home runs, seven RBIs, and nine runs scored as she competed with the OC Batbusters RSM squad at the PCFL qualifier for the Alliance Nationals last weekend in Arizona. Great job, Sofia, and congrats on qualifying for Nationals. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with the University of Texas A&M Corpus Christi alum and the all-time career wins leader in National Pro Fast Pitch League history, Sarah Pauly. Sarah's had an absolutely amazing career. She set every conceivable pitching record in Texas A&M Corpus Christi school history during her four years there, while also becoming an All-American. From there, she went on to an incredible pro career that saw her win two league championships, be named to eight All-Pro MPF teams, winner of the 2006 Most Outstanding Pitcher Award, and as mentioned earlier, she went on to win the most games in MPF history. Sarah also went on to play overseas in Japan, Italy, New Zealand, and Australia, where she would also see great great success. Sarah and her dad Rick, who was a former great men's fast pitch player that played for the well-known farm team based out of Wisconsin, currently run Holly Girl Fast Pitch High Performance Pitching, where they run clinics all over the U.S. You can check them out at polygirlfastpitch.com. We're going to talk to Sarah about getting her start in the game, the journey to Texas A&M Corpus Christi, all of her travel stories from her years of playing pro, and of course, Polly Girl Fast Pitch. Sarah was such a pleasure to sit down and chat with, and, and it was awesome to hear about her journey in, in our great game. With that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. here we go sarah thanks so much for coming on the podcast thank you thanks for having me how are things going down in texas today i understand you're you're on the road i am on the road um things things are good uh, the past couple weeks i've been traveling a lot doing clinics um with poly girl fast pitch which is the pitching business that my father and i have and um, it seems like it never ends, which is, 
which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I think it just seems like a lot because I am usually prepping for a season right now or I have already left right. for Japan at this point. So right. I'm never able to actually do the clinics with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, okay. I was going to, I was going to save Polly girl to the end, but you know what? You brought it up. Let's talk about now. How, how did, how did that all start anyway? Um, I, it just kind of evolved. It was, it was just something that we started doing together. Um, small little clinics here and there. And it evolved into traveling um, this, around the U.S., putting on pitching clinics for people who um, had big travel ball organizations, um, didn't necessarily have a pitching coach in their area, and would bring us in to teach our method. And it just kind of kept growing from there. Um, my dad obviously is extremely passionate about a softball, uh, maybe more than me. Yeah. Now he, and, he used to play for the farm, didn't he? Back in the day. Yes, he yeah. did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, loves to teach. And so we just kind of turned the clinic thing into more of a full-time thing with um, our online university and starting put starting started putting classes and videos together and yeah here we are we have an online university that teaches coaches or parents how to teach proper and safe and efficient pitching um, mechanics and we usually when we go to a different city to do a pitching clinic on a Friday night, we do a coach's clinic. We go over um, pretty much the gist of what we teach in our online university. Mm -hmm. And then um, Saturday. So that's Friday night. And then Saturdays we do two, two different clinics, a beginner's clinic and an advanced clinic. And most of the time, the parents that are there on the Friday night have kids in the clinic on Saturday. So they're getting a double dose of knowledge. And so far it's has been very beneficial mm. um, just from the feedback that we've received and the, um, the outcomes, I guess you'd say we continued to go back to some places and just seeing the improvement from many of the girls who continue to um, come to the clinics every year hmm. is pretty impressive. That must be great to see. It is. It, it's fun because also, you know, um, I'm in Texas and my dad's in Virginia, so we don't necessarily... Um, besides going to, for the clinics, we don't necessarily teach people other than in those clinic states. So being able to see somebody year after year, mm -hmm. um, it's like there are students, but it's a long, a long distance coaching 
relationship that we have. Right. Right. With so, many of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess doing it online, I guess you, I mean, with the pandemic and everything, I, I mean, you still get to do your thing, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, the pandemic, um, didn't really change much for us in that sense because we had already been doing virtual lessons as well. So maybe we just ended up doing more of them. Right. Um, that's the cool thing about technology, you know, like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Even if there's a pandemic, I mean, you can still do it even if there isn't a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And well, I mean, Look at techno like we're doing this podcast right now. <laughs> Technology. Exactly. Like yep. it's crazy. Crazy. So I mean, so you guys like would you travel all over like the US or like do you go to yeah. Can- Canada at all or or what? Um I actually I I come to Canada, um, but not under Polygirl Fast Pitch. I just come on my own. Okay. Um I I usually I've been two years in a row. Um, but then COVID kind of yeah. messed everything up. Yeah. Um, and then the borders were closed the next time. But um, Joni Fry with um, Beyond the White Lines mm-hmm. does a huge, has a huge um, clinic or it's camp. It's a softball camp. It's right. for, um, she does like a, th- a three day weekend, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Vic, I want to say it's called Victoria's Island. I might be wrong about that. Mm. <laughs> Victoria in, Can- in BC. Yes. Yep. In Canada. Yep. And then, and then, um, right after that weekend, we stay for the next week and have the clinic, have the softball camp for the entire week in Sycamus. Okay. Nice. And I've done that two times, uh, two summers in a row. Um, that's the gist of me getting to Canada, but it's been pretty fun. Mm. Also, I have a teammate that lives in Canada. Um, so whenever I would go up, a teammate from college, mm. um, anytime I would go there um, for the Beyond the White Lines clinics and camps, I uh, would have an opportunity to have some private lessons with some of my um uh ex-teammates students up there so right on yeah that's just that that works out pretty well for you then (laughs) it does yeah And, and um the the private lessons uh we also do those whenever we go in for clinics in the states so Prior to the coach's clinic on Friday night, we come in early Friday and maybe two or three, sometimes four hours before we even start the coach's clinic, we have private lessons with elite or elite level pitchers, uh, some who are in college, who are on a break, um, some who might um, live in the area but aren't available to go to the clinic, um, the next day. Mm-hmm. So we definitely provide a ton of opportunities for any, everybody who wants to pitch. Awesome. That's awesome. In the, yeah. So, yeah. so if any athletes are listening, I mean, where would they, where would they go to like, you know, sign up or anything? 
Yeah, it would just be based on um, where we are that weekend for a clinic. So the next weekend, uh, next weekend, we go to Kentucky mm-hmm. um, and they would just sign up uh, with whoever is putting the tournament on, or sorry, the whoever's in charge of putting the the clinic on. Oh, okay. Because we, we just, uh, somebody else organizes all of that and we fly in teach and then coach and then we leave okay right on at that yeah at the end of the weekend so good stuff good stuff yeah well we have a little thing we're 10 minutes in already and but we have a little thing like we like to kick the podcast off with you know kind of break the ice but i mean we've already been talking for 10 minutes but anyway it's all good (laughs) we call it quick pitches i'm gonna throw some i'm gonna throw some random questions to you and they're pretty random Okay. and you answer them as best you can. (laughs) Okay. All right. First one. If if you had to live off one food for a week, what is it? Oh my God. Um, cereal. (laughs) Cereal. Okay. (laughs) You like cereal. I don't know. It was the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) I was thinking because you can have cereal in the morning or you could have it. it I mean, you can have cereal at any. That's time true. Of the day. That is true. I mean, I, if you had to I live off it for I, a week, I mean, that's, that's a good call. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I would have said like, if I could only have one dinner for the rest of my life, I'd maybe say pasta, but mm. you, you can't eat. I mean, I guess you could eat pasta in the morning, but that's kind of weird. <laughs> True, true. Cereal's a good answer. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, if you could go back and play one game over again, which one is it? Oh, shoot. One game over? Mm. I, uh, can I be cliche and say none? Okay, yeah. I've had maybe, it some, said before. Maybe, <laughs> maybe my last game. I mean, it was a really great game, but I just want to be there with my teammates and in that atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and that was in Japan, uh, this past May. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I say, so didn't you end it with three strikeouts? I did. (laughs) That's impressive. I I know. And the crazy thing is, is, you know, like people know me as a rise ball pitcher, Mm -hmm. but I kind of had to like reinvent myself, um, after playing in Japan for a while. Um, so the last, the last pitch of the game that was a strikeout swinging was on a changeup. And that was like huge for me Wow! because, you know, that just, it's not something that you would, um, you would have guessed I would have thrown. Well, no, you know, I think, <laughs> I think they were thinking that I was going to throw a rise ball. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, for sure. All right. Uh, biggest thing you miss at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Oh, um, biggest thing I miss the friendships with all of the athletes. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, toughest hitter you had to face over your career? Oh, Megan Wiggins. Oh, yeah, that would be tough. <laughs> yes, always. I think. I think maybe I, I got her one time and that was when we were in Japan, but I, 
every single time I faced her, I was always nervous. And, you know, because I, she was such a good hitter and you couldn't, you, you couldn't, there was not one pitch she couldn't hit. So mm-hmm. you had to really be careful about how you threw to her, what you threw to her. If you were trying to be sneaky or tricky, you know, she had already thought that that's what you were going to throw and would hit it anyways. Wow. I mean, there was like no getting around her bat. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. I'm a pitcher as well. And yeah, I have so many hitters like that. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you can meet one person in the entire world, sit down and have a drink or meal. Who is it? Um, it, it can be anybody. It can be anybody. I'd say my grandmother. Okay. Yeah. How come? I, I just miss her. She passed away uh, a little over a year ago, but she was always so funny and witty. And the things that she said was just, they Mm. were just so, it was always so funny, you know, like my, my dad is kind of the same way. Right. In a sense of like, I don't actually think he knows what he's saying some of the time. (laughs) And it's really funny. Yeah. That's oh, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that uh, it's hard to beat grandmothers. Really, it is like they're like yeah, they're she, the best. They, they are. I mean, she would always she would always make us. Um, this is so like midwestern, I think. But she would always um, whenever we'd go over, she'd always have a frozen pizza cooking in the in the oven for us and chip chips ahoy cookies and tab soda. I, mean, oh. I don't even know if people know what tab is. I know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, what is tab soda? Yeah. They're, they're going to go Google it. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, um, a few more here. Uh, best concert you've ever attended. Uh, this past summer, I went to ACL, uh, Austin City Limits here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge festival. So does that count as nice. a concert? I oh, 100%. George, yes. George Strait. Um, oh, wow. Duran Duran. No way. Um, I swear to God. It was, it was a huge mixture of everybody. <laughs> would, so it was really cool. I would say if you, um, if you have George Strait and Duran Duran there, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and also, um, like this guy, this guy, um, he's Irish. His name's Dermot Kennedy. He's hmm. like new and up and coming. I mean, he's—I don't think he's that new, but like people don't, not many people maybe know about him. But just a mixture of all those three music uh, right. genres together, you know? Yeah. It, you could literally just walk from one stage to the next and hear all all of the different all of that different music. So yeah, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, On a scale of one to 10 with 10 being great. How are your karaoke skills? Oh, (laughs) no negative. I'm in the negatives. Oh, are you? I, I don't like doing that. (laughs) Okay. I, I can, I can be, 
I, I hate standing on stage. Yep. I can talk about, I can talk like this on a podcast or I can pitch in the middle of a circle and that's fine. But if I'm on stage yeah. and like, I don't know the fear of like just being on stage, just, it gets to me. Okay. I couldn't. And then, and then having to sing and <laughs> You know, because I and I don't think I have a very great voice. So then having to sing and then like make fun of my like have everyone make fun of me. I don't know if I I I'm not a fan of karaoke. Okay. At all. <laughs> Good to know. All right, last one. Uh, and I I know this from looking at your Instagram. I know you've traveled a lot of places. Favorite place okay. you've ever traveled to? Oh. Tough one. Italy. Yeah. Gotta be Italy, I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, lots of cool places in Europe, but hands down Italy. Everything's so close. You can get from one city to the next on the train and each city is completely different. Nice. So, yeah, right on. definitely. Oh. That's a good answer. I, I actually, I, looking at your picture, like seeing all the places you've gone to, I was like, the pictures of Italy, I was like, man, I would love to go to Italy so much. It looks amazing. Yeah, it, it, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Like the, the South is completely different from the North, you know, and it's, I guess it kind of is like that here in the States as well, but it's just, I don't know. It seems so much better because it's Italy. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get into your career. I mean, okay. tell us about uh, you, how you got your start in the game. I'm guessing your father, Rick, played a big part in it. Yep, he did. Um, it's funny because whenever we go to clinics, people ask, when did you start pitching? And my dad thinks, well, says or whatever that I started pitching when I was 11. I think it was more like 12, but he was, I remember him just saying, Hey, I got a, I have an old glove, you know, um, let's, let's grab the mitts and go throw in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And me not knowing really much about what he was talking about, uh, just listen to him because he was my dad. Yeah. And we would do that after school. Uh, whenever he'd get home from work, we would throw in the backyard. I was so awful. Um, <laughs> I, I literally would like throw the ball over the neighbor's fence, like way, way over his head. And he would, of course, lie to me and tell me that that was the best rise ball he's ever seen. Oh, 100%. Or, 100%. Yeah. Well, I remember one time and I honestly think that we have this on VHS video yeah, for, for all you youngins out there. That's a, right. you put that in a VCR, right? <laughs> um, one of the times I think my dog ran across and while I was pitching and I accidentally hit the dog and my dad told me that that was a really good drop ball. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It just kept evolving from then on. Um, I don't ever really remember being any good until 
maybe I was like 16. I mean, back, back then you had to get like invited to, um, to try out for the elite travel ball teams in the area. So my, my dad had kind of put together this team, uh, that was kind of in our area with high school girls so that he could kind of, so he could build up the high school kids and right. I would have an opportunity to pitch all the time so that I could try and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, we had a girl, uh, who was kind who was from the town across the freeway. Um, but she was pretty good catcher. And so her and I worked together a lot, maybe a year and a half. We got really good at, uh, you know, being a pitcher catcher, uh, combo. And we both got invited to try out for this really good team in Arizona. Um, the little saints, they're still around, um, great organization. Can't say enough good things about them, but we made the team and from that moment my softball career took off i think we right. um the team was serious in uh traveling you know i live we lived in arizona um we traveled almost every single weekend to california we played in all the big tournaments um we beat some really good teams uh, and that's kind of when 16, 17, 18, you know, things yeah. started to really take off and, you know, you, the recruiting was normal, not, you know, not the early recruiting nowadays, but, um, well, I was, I was going to ask if you're, <laughs> there was no, you know, posting videos on Twitter or, you know, getting recognized nope. in the top 100 for extra innings or yep, anything nope. like that. Right. Yeah, no, none of that. And I, I don't even remember we, I didn't even go to any college camps like kids these days, they go to like college camps to yeah. be seen. And I didn't do any of that. We, you know, we handwrit the hand wrote the letters. It wasn't sending the coach emails. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't a thing. And you would get the handwritten letters back from them. And that was a really, really cool experience when I started getting, you know, um, letters in the mail from, from universities and such. Yeah. Well, it's so personal that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of, it came down to who for college, who showed me the most attention. And there was a university who was at all of my games was sending me letters every single week. I mean, it was so cool. And I felt so wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I went on a visit, I fell in love with the area because it was on an Island and close to the beach and the, um, softball field was right in the middle of campus and you pretty much walked everywhere, palm trees everywhere, you know, coming from Arizona and cactus and then going to Texas where palm trees and beach, you know, yeah. <laughs> who, who wouldn't love that? Yeah. So I, um, decided I want to play ball in Corpus Christi, Texas. Well, I guess that, that answers my question for your decision to go there. I mean, 
yeah. pa- palm trees and beaches and and ball fields in the middle of campus. I mean, why wouldn't I you? <laughs> I know. They also had uh, they also had uh, one of the best uh, marine biology programs in the nation, and that's essentially what I wanted to to major in. Right. I ended up changing my major um, to psychology and graduate graduating with a psych degree. Um, but it was, it was really fun. Mm. Um, we might've not been the best softball school, but it was a great experience. Um, and we, we accomplished quite a bit. Uh, I'd say you did. (laughs) Well, I mean, for I mean, for a small. No, actually, I got a question. Small school. Yeah, Yeah. I I got your first year there. You guys were on probationary status, weren't you? You guys weren't Division One. Correct. We Uh, were not. Why was that? um, Because the university was switching um, to a Division One status. Okay. 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 Yeah. So they they weren't. they didn't have enough women's sports teams to be considered a division one university. Right. And that last year, uh, you apparently had to wait three years. That was the third year, um, which was my, my freshman year. And yeah, we, we ended up losing those coaches my freshman year, getting two really awesome coaches for my sophomore through senior year, um, who really changed the program, um, made believers out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, since we, since we were, not in an actual conference we were just an affiliate for three years only the softball program an affiliate of the big south wow um and the rest of the university was trying to figure out what conference they were going to get into as a whole right right now you guys were still playing you guys were still playing like all the like like you guys were still playing texas oregon all them yep yeah Yep. Yeah. Yep. Still playing the big teams. Um, never stopped playing softball. Mm. Now, I mean, your time, obviously it, it worked out really good for you there. I mean, you set every pitch and record possible with the Islanders and I, you still have them to this day. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the memories that stick out to you, you know, from your time there? Um, most of the things that stick out to me are the big, well, the team, the girls, the coaches, the crazy um, conditioning workouts that we used to have. Oh my God. Working out in the morning, in the rain. Um, you know, we were a smaller university. Um, it, it's not so small now, but right. we, we didn't, we didn't have the big, weight rooms that you know a huge division one university would have um we our coaches really had to improvise with what we would do for workouts um and 
we didn't have our own strength coaches. Our softball coach, our um, assistant softball coach was actually our conditioning coach as well. Um, so it, it was hard not, it was hard to separate hating him as a trainer and really liking him as a coach. <laughs> yeah, that'd be tough. <laughs> um, yeah. And he was, he came from, um, the military. So, I mean, he was really tough on us and, um, I just remember those moments that probably, you know, that they're not the like, oh, we won a championship moments, you know, they're, they're what made us into the potential to win those championships, you know, those moments. Um, of course I loved that we, um, we won the big South conference, um, three years in a row and we made regionals. Uh, we were the first, um, sports team um, from the university to make regionals, you know, they didn't have super regionals back then. Thank goodness. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so we, we, we had the opportunity, um, three years to do that. Um, just, you know, the, the small little things yeah. I remember. Um, I, this is going to sound extremely crazy because I think only, the players, maybe some of the people who actually worked at the university would actually know. Um, but we, since we were in Texas and all of the schools in our conference were on the East coast, we literally would bus to Winthrop university, which is in, um, Rock Hill, South Carolina, the week of spring break. And we would play all of the conference teams in that one week, we would play all of our games that one week. So we what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we were playing double headers of all of the different teams in our conference. Yes. Holy cow. Finally, my senior year, they flew us there. But we had, I mean, we had to drive on the bus. <laughs> oh my God. That's insane. And it is insane. I mean, can you imagine pitching like majority of those games oh. all in that one week? My legs and back would be just annihilated. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was those moments like that. That's what I remember. That's um, crazy. Wow. Yeah, we we definitely bonded as a team in those moments for sure. Oh, that's true. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you get to go on a on a bus for for that long. I mean, yeah, 14 hours. Yeah. You're definitely, you're definitely going to bond as a team for sure. Either that, or you're going to kill each other. <laughs> right. Well, I think we did a little bit of both. To be honest. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Actually, I don't know how our coaches, oh uh, man. I, I mean, after being a college coach myself later on in life, mm. um, I just don't know how they handled us all in that one week of spring break. I mean, kudos to them. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Absolutely. That that, that would be, yeah, I couldn't even imagine as a coach having to do that. And and nowadays, you know, a lot of, a lot of different people travel with the team, you know, they have 
they have the trainer that travels and they have the SID sometimes that travels and they have more than two coaches. And we didn't have any of that. Yeah. We had our head coach and our assistant coach and that was it, you wow. know, and whenever we would go to, to those places, if we needed a trainer, we used the trainer that the other team brought. Is that right? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's yep. crazy. Wow. Yep. Well, one of the things like looking at your stats and everything from your time with Corpus Christi, one that impressed me, you know, was the 37 wins in your senior season. And I mean, oh, yeah. that placed your third in the nation behind, you know, two okay pitchers named Cat and Monica. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty impressive season. What? <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Oh, no doubt. That was fun. No doubt. How like that senior season, I mean, it it had to be tough. That last game against Texas had to be pretty emotional for you though. Um I don't remember it being very emotional, but I do remember um, I, I do remember thinking this is, this is the last time I'm gonna play. I, I, I literally thought that it was going to be my last time playing because I had no idea that I would continue playing professionally after college. I mean, that just wasn't a thing that we looked forward to, you right. know? Right. Um, I had no idea that it really wasn't the last time I was going to play. So <laughs> I, I don't really remember much, but I do remember, you know, thinking about it, thinking about, man, this is going to be the last time I actually play yeah. softball, right. you know? Right. And of course it wouldn't. I mean, you go on to play with the Connecticut breakouts before, yep. before they even joined the MPF. How, how did that all come about? Um, Johnny, um, John Stratton reached out to my dad, I believe. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't really remember. Um, but I, I do know that he reached out and said, you know, introduced himself. Hey, I've got this team here in Connecticut. We play. ASA uh, women's major open um, kind of like a 23 and under type thing. Um, do you think that Sarah would be interested in coming to pitch for us? And um, I, I knew who the breakouts were, um, you know, like they were, they were like the team that all of the legends have played for, you know, right. Lisa Fernandez and um Dot Richardson, I believe. Right. Yeah. Cat Cat Osterman has played for them. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a ton of them, but there were a ton of really good athletes that played for them. So the fact that they wanted me to go play for them was really cool in my book. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever I heard the logistics behind it, I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna go live in Connecticut for the summer. Like, that's so cool. I've never been there before. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was a summer. It was like college, but during the summer. Right. And um, 
no school. And no school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a bonus, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. Um, I loved that we ended up going pro the next year, um, because we had heard there there was the NPF and then there was the um, oh PFX. I think it was okay. PFX. There were two different leagues going on, and we heard, you know, just through the rumorville from softball that the NPF that the PFX was going to uh, eventually merge into the NPF, and the NPF was going to be the league that you wanted to play in. Right. So when when we found out that that. Um, the breakouts were going to move into the NPF. I was like, Oh wow, that's really cool. Like I've pretty much, I I've, I'm going to be like on the team. Yeah. So that, that was a quick and easy transition. Um, we played so many games. I mean, we traveled all of the, we were traveling all the time, driving from place to place. We played all the time. Um, Tuesday or we played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, sometimes two games Sunday. I mean, it was a lot of softball. Did you like the travel schedule? I didn't know any better. So, of course, <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but I, I've heard like, you know, some some of the girls, you know, it kind of wore on them and and it does yeah it, it does and it did eventually maybe like my third year into the league um it started to get to be a lot especially being a pitcher i'm sure everybody else was feeling the same tiredness and just over being overwhelmed with so many games and so many de- demands i guess you'd say right um it was very very nice of them to change the game schedule about i don't know five or six years in must have been six years in because i think um so i played 11 seasons in the npf and i want to say like at least half of the last ones we didn't have that strenuous of a schedule Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, we we did have double headers, which on like Sundays, double headers should just be illegal at at our age. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, after playing the team already three times, you know, or and then having to do it again in two more weeks with another double header, it's like. Whoever came up with the double header idea needs to throw that out the window yep. because those were really hard. And some of the days, you know, if we we're eventually if we we're playing in Florida or even some days in, in um, when we were playing in Philly, mm-hmm. um, it was hot <laughs> no during doubt. the summer. No doubt. You know, so I mean, I did not love softball on the double header days uh, i don't blame you i i yeah i can totally relate to you on that one like <laughs> yeah that's pretty much how our league 
here right now back like i'm i'm four, i'm 43 and still pitching and nice right now the the team i play on we only have me as a pitcher and we have another like another one that can pitch but you know what i mean like <laughs> so there's game like there's double headers where i'm throwing both games and yeah it's no, pretty hurt on the body right now <laughs> No, thanks. Especially when you get later on in life. Yes. 43. I mean, maybe you could have done that at 20. Oh, easily. Would you have enjoyed it? Maybe not so much because two games in a day is a lot Mm -hmm. in general. Yep. But you get older, you get the wear on your arm. You get things just, you just get more exhausted. Yep, for sure. For sure. And I, I don't, I find that I don't, my arm doesn't, but it's my, it's my legs and my back. It's, I have no yeah. problem with oh, my arm. Wow. Yeah. Mm, it's weird. Which everybody asks me, how's your arm? How's your arm? Eh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's the rest of my actually, body. <laughs> actually it's still attached, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt that way as well at the end. Um, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily my arm. It was the small little muscles that hurt. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, my, my neck is really killing me, but my arm is fine. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to ask you about, I want to ask you about the, uh, that, uh, the, the first season in the MPF, yeah. 2006, when you guys switched yeah. over. I mean, you jumped in. Most outstanding pitcher. I mean, stats speak for themselves. Safe to say that your confidence was growing pretty good at this point in your career. Sure, sure was. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. I just kept. I just did what I knew how to do, which was hit the spot, um, and let my teammates take care of all the rest, Yeah, you know, um, never, I never thought that I would have been the, was it pitcher of the year? Yeah. I, I never would have guessed that that would have been me, but then I, you know, I maybe don't give myself enough credit for that season, but looking back there, the seasons after that, that's when all of the other really good pitchers joined the league and it was a competition mm. for that title. So I maybe didn't give myself enough credit for it then. And after, you know, see Monica win it year after year after year and Kat win it year after year, you know, it's like, yeah. well, at one point I did win it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you have to you have to be really really good so yeah yeah well that's what i was gonna ask you i, I mean uh, i mean you hold the record for career wins in the mpf i mean that's crazy of you know that's nothing they can't take it away from you so i mean correct the fact that you know you played with and against so many recon- recognizable names you know like cat like monica like daniel Laurie. i mean yep it must have been, you know, great to have, you know, have such success playing alongside or against, you know, names like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I also think maybe I have the most wins because I was in the league the longest. 
<laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, there's still wins. There's still wins, but yeah. Um, I was blessed with some great defense, put it that way. Yeah. Because obviously, pitcher can't win all on their own, but. Um, there and and there were some phenomenal plays behind me, um, to help get me all of those wins that I accumulated. Yeah, that's all. Hey, it's so much easier to pitch when you have when you can look behind you and be like, oh well, I have this defense defense here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes and, a big and great difference. Hitting too, yeah, because I I only had one job and they all they had two two jobs to worry about hitting and defense, so. Mm. I, I tried to take care of my job the best that I could and, um, just let them figure out their, their, uh, their tasks on their own, I guess you'd say. Right. Right. Now I, I was, I was a pretty, I, I, I was a pretty chill player. Um, you know, if, if I would get upset later on, I think in my career, you couldn't really tell much. Right. Um, you, if you knew me, you knew that I was upset, mm. but you eventually couldn't really see it. Um, and of course that came with time, yeah. you know, growing and learning um, the game and about yourself as a player and a person and who you want to be and how you want to be remembered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as a pitcher, you kind of have to, you have to hold your emotions in check, I find. And I mean, I still have a tough time doing it. (laughs) I mean, I, when I, uh, anybody can tell when I'm emotional out there because I start throwing it, overthrowing, you know what I mean? Like, as a pitcher, you have to be able to hold your emotions in check. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was a little harder to do in Japan. And Sometimes I didn't really care much about, about it because we both spoke different languages. So if I had something to say, the only person who really knew what I was saying was a possible foreigner teammate of mine or foreigners from the other team. And then it just gets, (laughs) it just starts to get funny at that point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you just start laughing. Oh, you get funny. to, you get to a point where you just start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and and there, I mean, cause there's nothing really you can do about it. No, anything. I mean, there, I I've seen like Jordan Taylor, I've interviewed Jordan on here and, uh-huh. uh, and I've seen some of the videos she's posted about how small the strike zone is over there. Yep. True. Very true. <laughs> throw, you can throw the ball right down the middle and it can be a ball. <laughs> That's crazy. And multiple times. Yeah, Jordan Jordan had posted like a uh, cumula- uh, um, accumulation of, uh, pit- of pitches that she had thrown. Oh, right? yeah. And they were all like either on the corner or down the middle. And yeah. the umpire, none, you know, none of the umpires called them strikes. That is far too common. Really? Wow. Yes. Yep. Man. Yeah. And, um, like, like I said, you just kind of laugh about it, but if you're new in Japan and that happens to you, it's kind of hard to not, it's kind of, it's, 
you don't laugh about it. You only start laughing about it when you've been there for a while and you really know like, Hey, this is going to keep happening, you know, because I remember my first time in Japan and I threw it down the middle and I got so frustrated when they didn't call it a strike and the umpires kind of feed off of that. Like, Oh, she, she just got mad because she thought it was supposed to be a, a strike. Well, Next time she does that, I'm going to call it a ball again. I almost wonder if that's what they're thinking. Wow. I, I was going to ask, like, I was going to, like, there's got to be a reason for it. <laughs> like, like, I'm pretty, uh, pretty sure they're not doing it to Wayno. <laughs> no, they're not because she's Japanese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, and I, I had kind of heard that whenever I first went over there that, hey, you know, like, even if you throw it down the middle and it should be a strike because you're American, it's probably going to be a ball, but wow. they want their players to succeed more than you to succeed. Yeah. So that was that, that transition was difficult. Oh, no doubt. Because like, why can't it just be equal? But yeah, I mean, if everything was equal, then wouldn't the world be just a better place? And <laughs> so like you think of, yeah. right. Yep. And and so you think you you think about what's going on in your own country, but then you realize the same thing is going on in another country and you realize you're not, you guys aren't far behind. No, that's true. Yeah. So true. Um, Yeah. It's, it's different. How'd you enjoy the culture over there? Um, I think in the beginning, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was, I had a culture shock. It was my first time, like, really out of the country. Um, I was there the first half. Um, So the first team I played on was Honda. And the first half of uh, the season, um, the other foreigner um, ended up going home before I even returned because she was there when the earthquake tsunami happened in 2011. Right. So, um yeah, they had sent like all of the Americans home. Um, and I, I just so happened to come like a couple days after and they didn't, you know, they didn't really send me back home. I just ended up staying there. And so that was difficult because I was there alone and, um, I was in a foreign country that, you know, um, I didn't speak the same language and, Mm-hmm. making the transition and it was it was um a growing period for me right right i had the opportunity to go back after that season was over and i decided not to and if i i remember telling my parents a couple years it's my number one regret i wish i would have just sucked it up and gone back because I really miss that culture, that way of softball, the way of life, um, just everything that softball was about in Japan. And I remember telling them, if I have another opportunity, I'm going to say yes, no matter what. And lo and behold, a couple years later, I got that other opportunity and I didn't even ask any questions about who the team was, how much I was going to get paid, if Mm -hmm. I was going to have a place to stay. 
I just said yes, because I knew that I wanted to get back and this was my chance. So right on. that time around, I really dove into everything I could, uh, the culture, the food, the people, the language, um, traveling, um, just getting to know my teammates yeah. and their quite cute little personalities. And it was really, it, it was really great. It was such a cool experience. And eventually I left that team and I left and I went to play ball in Italy and I did New Zealand and I did Australia and between those times. And then I got another opportunity to go back to playing Japan. And of course I said, yes, yeah. because I remember how cool it was before. Yeah. And I also kind of, um, had an opportunity to play with a really good friend of mine who, um, we played in Italy together. Um, Lisa Malden and she was, she had never been to Japan um, and I thought that I could really help, um, help guide her, um, in a world that she was unfamiliar with. Right. Um, and, uh, she was on the, she was on the team and she kind of got me on the team and it usually doesn't happen that way. I was usually the one helping her get on a team. So it was really cool that, um, we were both able to play again together. Um, and, and she kind of returned the favor to me because I, I helped her get on my team in Italy and she helped me get back on this team in Japan. And, you know, it was something I had been thinking about, um, kind of finishing there, you know, mm. and in my head, I was thinking, well, no better place to do it and no better person to have a t as a teammate because, um, we'd already been, you know, we had already played a season together in another country. Um, we were pretty good friends at that point already. And we, we did it. We, yeah. we played one season together, then COVID, COVID hit. And we were in Japan when COVID um, was going on here in the States. And um, we just kept playing uh, it was odd to us that everyone was kind of on lockdown here because we were not on lockdown for very long, maybe a week. Right. Um, we were playing and we, um, we ended up having, uh, the second half of our season, not the first, but the second half, um, <clears throat> our team needed, we were, we were playing in the second division and in order to get up to the first division, we had to win the league. And we won the league and it was the most incredible experience That's awesome. that I have, that I've had and in Japan, I think. Yeah. And then, um, and, and then we were asked, we were both asked back and, um, you know, it was like our reward for winning because we got to move up to the, the first division and, um, so then, you know, we played the first division um, last January. Yeah. Um, and 
we had a really great season and I played that first season and then I got a really, really nice farewell from them. And, um, our other pitcher, um, who's Australian, um, uh, came in and finished the rest of that second half season, Ellen Roberts. So yeah, it was, all of my time in Japan was, it was kind of like a roller coaster, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, that's so many ups and downs. That's life though. <laughs> nothing, nothing I wouldn't ever trade. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. That, that is life. That is life. And I think that I would have gone through those same roller coasters if I was here in the States. It just something that I actually remember almost every detail of because I was in another country. Yeah. So, for sure. And I mean, like I, like I said earlier, you got the, you, you finished your last inning with, with three strikeouts. I mean, uh, what a way so to go crazy. out. What a way to go what out. Never, would have never guessed that. So crazy. <laughs> and a change up. Yeah. And a change up. Change up. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Sarah, we have a little thing that we like to end the podcast with. Um, okay. I call it player association. I'm going to okay. throw, I'm going to throw some names to you and you oh, can, please. you can tell a story. You can say as much or as little about them as you want. Okay. All right. First one, Jennifer Golden. Oh my God. Jennifer Golden. She was, um, she was one of our catchers at A&M Corpus Christi. Um, we used to call her Goldie. She was almost as tall as me. Wow. Really? (laughs) Yes. Could you imagine? And she was lefty and she was a catcher. Whoa. She, and and she was a wild child. I'm sure she has calmed down a lot, but maybe not that much. Oh wow. Oh, That's my gosh. Hey. I we actually call each other sisters because we're tall and blonde. Okay. And anytime we would um be out and about and around other people we didn't know or who didn't really know us, mm-hmm. we'd always just tell them, Oh yeah, we're sisters. And we had this story going for years. People <laughs> just believed us. Wow. It, it's fun. It's not, ne- there's never a dry moment with her. <laughs> for <laughs> that's sure. A, that's awesome. Uh, next, uh, Andrea Duran. Oh, Dre. Um, so Dre and I actually lived together uh, when we played together on the Pride. Um, And uh, it was Dre, Ashley Charters, Gianna Del Salvatore, and myself who lived together. And we had the best house. We would always have wine night. We all loved loved red wine. Yeah. She was such, she's such a great teammate, always, always had everything on my right side. I, I actually didn't, um, have to really cover much ground. And whenever I played on the pride, I don't think that I was even quick enough to cover any ground. It wasn't until I was like in Japan where I learned that I really had to like be quick. Right. and yeah. move move my feet yeah so thankfully i had dre on the right side of me um to take care of all of that for me whenever i played for the pride 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, next on the list. Uh, I didn't know that you had any history with her, but friend of the show, Erica Piancastelli. Oh my God. E. Yes. Um, Erica was, um, a teammate of mine in Italy. Um, and so I played in Italy, uh, three years. The first two years I played on a team with, um, a girl that I coached in college and, um, the third year I played against that team's rival team, which is for Lee, the team that Erica plays on. Um, her mom actually coached the team last year, helped coach the team last year. And, um, such a great person. She's such a great person. Um, I I can't say enough good things about her. Um, quite a swing on her, eh? Such a, so I was so happy when I was on the office on the that when I was on her team and not the opposite team. No doubt. Because literally whenever I had to face her when I played on um the the team out of um Bolate, whenever I played on that team, mm-hmm. I was so scared because of her giant step. Yeah. She literally just cranks the bat back and just swings. And I remember many times the ball going, brushing past the pitcher (laughs) and being so close to the pitcher. And thankfully I was on her team when this occurred. Yeah. (laughs) But I would have never wanted to be the pitcher throwing against her and I was I was so happy whenever we were on the same team. Plus, she hit bombs for us. It oh, was like, yeah. you know, we could be like down, you know, one zero and runner on base, and she just comes up and randomly hits a bomb like nothing. Like mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be a pop up, and then you know it's way way over the fence. Yeah, I mean, I I talk about you know everybody talks about uh, you know how good Ken Griffey Jr. swing was in baseball, and uh-huh. I think Erica's is almost a carbon copy of his. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. She's, uh, she is just now, um, maybe, well, I say just now, but I mean like whenever she first got into the AU league, yeah. like making herself known yes. in, in the States per yeah. se, because, yeah. you know, she's always really been known um, in Italy and on the Italian national team and, um, you know, was, was always a huge standout, um, in college. But I think, uh, I I don't think people really knew what she was capable of until that first year of AU, you know, and they were like, Whoa, like, where'd she come from? Yeah. You know, for sure. And I'm like, that's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't have to ever pitch again (laughs) and pitch to her again. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Two more here. Okay. Lauren Lappin. Oh, Lapp. Lapp was the other foreigner that I played with. Um, uh, on everywhere. The first team, <laughs> on uh, everywhere on the first team in um, in Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, she was my connection to playing on that team. Um, I think they had kind of asked a few other players. Um, on our pride team, if they wanted to go over there and pitch and they all said no. And 
And then they came across my name and I was like, yes, I want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't, I, I was starstruck with her whenever I first met her um, when we were playing together on the pride, of course, as I was with the rest of my teammates, <laughs> because I, I, because I didn't actually know them as people. I just knew them as the players they were. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, great, great player. Um, but like even better person. Yeah. Um, and hearing her story about how she kind of had to evolve herself to um, be more universal as a player in, in order to get herself on the national team mm-hmm. um, really kind of showed me the type of person that she was and that she would almost do, you know, anything for you or for anybody. Um, and she ended up becoming the person that I would always throw to on the pride. And we ended up getting, um, becoming a great pitcher catcher combo. Um, then, uh, when I was released from the pride to play for the rebellion, I had no idea until, um, until maybe a few days after being released, um, that, she was her um, coming with me as well to the team. They wanted, they had want, they had asked, um, they had apparently asked for a, a really good pitcher catcher combo that, um, that, you know, would, would help our team develop and grow in the league. Um, And so, um, the decision from the pride was to release myself and Lappin. Um, Jen Salling came with us as well. So oh, we Jen. had the three of us. Nice. Yeah. We had, we had the three of us from the pride come over. Um, and that was the first year of the rebellion. And we had um, some other uh, girls who had originally played in the league um, on different teams in the league, come on over. And then um, us kind of veterans mixed with, um, the college kids were supposed to help, um, you know, stabilize, I guess you'd say the, the new team. Um, but yeah, I love, I love her. She was, she always kept me grounded as a pitcher. Um, always good. Always great to have a catcher like that. Yeah. 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 All right. Last one. Yeah. I mean, you Talk about, I, I'm so interested to know who you're going to say. The last one you've you've already actually touched on her. I was like, oh, you're already oh. talking about her, Lisa Malden. Jen. Oh, Malden! Oh my God, Lisa! Yes. Oh. So if you have any yeah. other stories, go I, ahead. Oh well, I can't tell you all of the stories about all about our experiences together. But the coolest thing about our friendship is how we met and I was playing, I was playing ball in Italy and she was playing ball in Hungary. And, um, we both got picked up by a Belgian team to play in the European cup. And that is how we met. 
and we connected softball wise and exchanged socials. I'm sure that's how that happened. Yeah. And she, um, she was at the time she was at, she was trying to get on a team in um, New Zealand mm-hmm. and a friend of mine coached the team. And I said, Oh, well, let me just reach out to my friend and say, Hey, you need to pick Lisa up. And she was like, Oh my gosh, you can do that. And I was like, yes, let me, let me try and do that. I, I didn't know if I could do that or not. I was just like, sure, let me just try. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking like, who the hell am I? Right. <laughs> well, she must've thought I was God because I literally reached out to the friend and said exactly that. And the friends contacted her and within like a couple days, she was on the team she wanted to be on. Wow. That's so awesome. <laughs> she had also um, uh, told me that she was interested in playing in Italy. So after she was done with her season in New Zealand, I, um, I was uh, switching teams and they were asking me if I knew of a good hitter or a utility player. And I was like, well, actually I do. So I was, um, obviously threw her name in there. I knew she really, she, she's the type of player that wanted to, she just wanted to play softball anywhere. Always wanted to be part of the team. Still, still is like that. Just wanted to learn culture and teach and coach and just be there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, got her with a meeting, um, come to find out they loved her. So got her with, um, on the same team with me in Italy. And then, as I said before, um, we had a mutual friend who we both played with in New Zealand, who was originally from Japan, who originally played for the team that we we're trying to play on in Japan and that girl, I know, right. The connection is what? so weird. This girl's name is Tomo Goda and she was our link to playing in Japan together. So she got Lisa on the team and then Lisa got myself on the team. And I was like, thanks buddy. You know, like you returned the favor. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yes. And, and honestly, um, the all of the people that I've met just playing softball in the other in different countries, we're all the same. We just want to mm-hmm. we want to play on, on a team um, in another country, you know, um, get used to the culture, learn, grow, meet people, coach, teach. Yep. And if you continue to keep up the friendship and relationship with these people that you meet while you're playing overseas, you can have any connection that you want to have right. uh, because everybody is, is for you. Everybody is cheering for you. They want you to succeed. Um, it's a really great community. Um, the overseas players, we kind of had like a huge group of us at one time where we were all like kind of in the same countries at the same time. And, you know, you, you just have each other when you're in those foreign countries, but that's enough because you're all there for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And if, if you wanted to go, you know, to Hungary, you know, Lisa has a connection for Hungary, or if you wanted to go to, um, 
uh, Italy, you know, somebody else had the connection for Italy. So there was always an opportunity and there still is, there's, there still is many opportunities. I mean, I have people that I've played, uh, for and with from many countries reaching out, asking me, Hey, do you know of a pitcher? Hey, do you know of a utility player? Like we need, we need people to come play. Mm -hmm. So always an opportunity. And yeah, Lisa, Lisa probably is my favorite teammate of, of all time because we have been able to share so many experiences together. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a way, a fantastic way to end the podcast right there. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, I got to <laughs> listen. I got to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the show. This has been awesome. Of course. Thank you. Yes. I mean, all the best, you know, with Polygirl fast pitch, you and your dad, Thank you. anything else in the future? Uh, I'm sure we're, we're going to keep in touch. Yeah, we will for sure. Thank you so much. Chasing a dragon till I get it, I know it well We go day and day, oh, living this like a show and tell Adrenaline pumping, accelerating through these late nights Addicted to the rush that keeps us up and it's the same life Red lipstick, broken wine glass Drink away the pain and blackout time lapse Do it all again, get your lights up Let them know you well known, a prisoner to our cell phone That's why we call them cell phones, it's funny, ain't it? With success, flying high from sugar cane, fast food burger chain, can't break the routine. Leg day, filling up on protein and poutine. They say, get it done by all means, by all means, we all fiends. Pick your crutch, living in this big world on small screens. Sip your cup and play your odds. Put your dollar in the slot machine, scrub it till the pot is clean. Pick your poison, what's your addiction, huh? Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.